Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. I'm going to get excited here this morning. We're so excited to be here. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is we're going to be based out of this morning. Luke chapter 10. Excited to be able to share with you about fodlessness. Um, it is my passion, and we are trying to make it every Christian's passion across the United States of America because it is close to the heart of God. Fodlessness is an issue that, that the Bible talks about, that God cares about, and we as Christians should do something about it. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, really being involved in reaching the fatherless around you, the single moms around you, the grandparents raising grandkids around you, the single dads, the the motherless around you, foster care families, these families that are maybe not necessarily set up the way that, that God originally had intended to set the family up. And they need some encouragement, they need some hope, they need some, um, some guidance. And maybe you're in here this morning, you weren't here the other night playing my video. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, why is this I care about the fatherless? Well, I grew up without a dad. That's why I'm so passionate about it myself. Um, I was blessed to have several mentors and people come into my life, but there's millions of other kids out there that don't have that opportunity. And they don't get to have those, those Christian mentors. They don't get to have those people in their life. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about that. If you're interested in wanting to learn more about our ministry, I want to encourage you to stop by our table, get one of our prayer cards. Uh, or you can stay in touch with our ministry by texting in the number 66866. Text the word DAD to that number, 66866. Text the word DAD to that number. It'll ask you for your email address. You can stay in touch and find out ways to get involved in helping uh, the fatherless. We're currently, we're doing a series right now on our website on how to monthly encourage single moms. Um, so we gave ideas just recently for April, what you can do in April to minister to the single moms around you. Uh, we're going to be putting one out for May, and every month we're doing that. So if you, you get into our email list, you'll be able to get those, those lists every month. And uh, we'll, we just started it, uh, I believe it was in, in March, we just started that. So it's something you can find out ways every month. Oh, maybe I could do this for a single mom around me. And when you minister to the single mom, you minister to their children too, and it helps the families out. But Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be based out of, like I said this morning. Look with me to verse 29. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Very sad verse there. It's a very sad verse. Verse 32 is just as sad. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But verse 33 encourages us. It says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him in his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said to him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. You know, this is the story of the Good Samaritan. Maybe you've heard this story before. Maybe you've heard this story a million times. I want you to look at it a little differently than you have in the past. This morning, we're going to, I'm going to give you three things that all of us can do, three steps that all of us can do to reach the fatherless families around us, to help them and encourage them on their journey. Now, the Holy Spirit might lead you differently this morning. Maybe there's somebody in your circle of influence that is hurting that maybe isn't a fatherless family, but they need your help. They need your hope that you can provide to their life through Jesus Christ. You know, every single one of us has a circle of influence, okay? We all have a circle of influence. We have family, we have friends, we have coworkers, people all around us that could use some encouragement. 
that could use some hope. And you have that hope in you if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you could spread that hope to them. You could spread that help to them through you going into their life and showing them Jesus and, and guiding them through the Bible how they can have hope in their life. You can be that hope. They may have not walked in these church doors, but you can lead them to a relationship with Jesus. And then you can bring them into the church. That's what God wants us to do. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive into this. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for allowing uh, me to have this opportunity to be able to share about fatherlessness this morning. I pray that you'd speak through me, Lord. I pray that you would just give me the words to say. I pray that you'd rid me of myself. I pray that it'd be from you. And I pray that you would just speak to every heart in here about the fatherless. Lord, there's such a neglected demographic in our nation. And I pray that you'd help us all to reach into the individual's lives you've placed in our circles of influence and do something about it to help them and lead them to Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Help us to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you want to help the fathers around you, the first thing is you have to reject apathy. Reject apathy. What is apathy? I was in eighth grade. My eighth grade teacher, he came, came to me. I was one of those kids that was always getting in trouble in school. Um, you know, one of those just getting called up and stuff. Who else is like that in school? When you, got, you got in trouble in school. Raise your hand. Be honest with me. You got in trouble in school. Pastor Waterloo, I'm sure your hand should be raised. Any, anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Anybody else used to get in trouble in school? Raise your hand. Be honest with me. Got in trouble in school and, and we, uh, you, know, you, you get called up to the teacher's desk, things like that. And I'm not bragging on that. You shouldn't, shouldn't be like me. You should be like my wife, the 4.0, good student. I was not like that. But this teacher called me to up to his desk one day and he said, Sean, he said, you have been apathetic. And I, I looked at him, I said, I have never heard that word in my life. I didn't know what he's talking about. I said, what does that even mean? He said, that means you don't care and you don't care that you don't care. And he was talking about eighth grade science. And I said, you are correct. I did not care. I did not care about eighth grade science. I, and if you're in eighth grade, you should care about eighth grade science. Be like my wife. Like I said, don't be like me. But I learned that day what apathy meant. And I've carried that with me through my life and I've seen areas in my life as an adult, and maybe you've seen areas in your life as an adult or as a teen or wherever, wherever you're at in life where you've been apathetic. And there's areas in our lives where we need to reject apathy. And it comes really a lot of times to these, these fatherless individuals that are around us, our single moms, or hurting people, where Satan tells us, just, eh, don't worry about that. Be apathetic about that. You know, we see in this verse here, verse 30, it says, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, was stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. You know, this guy had been robbed, wounded, abandoned, and left to die. And I'm going to share some statistics with you about the fodless. And if you're in here this morning and you are growing up fodless or you are a single mom or you are a grandparent raising grandkids or whatever situation you're in, understand that these are just statistics. This is not what has to happen to your children or happen to you through Jesus Christ or his hope. I'm here to testify that you can overcome it. You can overcome these, these circumstances. This does not have to define you. But what's going on with individuals who do not have a local church, who don't have Jesus Christ in their life to help them, guide them on a path of success? What's going on with them is, first thing is crime. Crime. 85% of youth in prisons grew up in fatherless homes. 80% of rapes, rapists motivated, motivated with anger issues come from fatherless homes. 80% of them. Why are they doing that? You know, we see, we see a number of, um, of 27 deadliest mass shooters. 26 of them were fatherless. Why is that? Because they're angry. They don't have a, a dad in their life. I'm not giving them an excuse. They have to own what they did, what they've done, why they're there, why they're in prison or youth detention centers. But you got to understand, they're angry because they didn't have a dad to teach them how to respect themselves, how to respect other people, how to respect society, how to respect their country, right? 
And they find that group of friends, and sometimes we call it a gang, sometimes it's just a group of friends, where they find a family with them. And they start doing things with them, and they get involved in crime, and they get involved in these different addictions and stuff, struggles that they have, and they go down these paths, and they didn't necessarily choose, oh, I want to be a murderer, or a rapist, or I want to go into the prison or youth detention center, but they go down that path because they didn't have a dad to teach them how to live as a respectable person in society. But you as a Christian can lead them. I'm not telling you this morning to reach every single kid across the United States of America. I'm encouraging you, I want to encourage you, I believe Jesus Christ has me here this morning so that you, to, to encourage you to reach at least one. Will you reach one in your circle of influence? Will you help one single mom? Will you help one grandparent raising grandkids? You know, the thing is, Satan has overcomplicated this issue where we see it and we're like, oh, that's a, that's a lot of work. If we just kind of narrow it down and say, okay, can I find one kid? One kid I can focus on to help him and encourage him. It doesn't have to be complicated. This is not a complicated thing. Look at the next, next uh, statistic. It's homosexuality and gender identity. This guy, Dr. Joseph Nicolosi, he's been on, he was on Oprah. He's, he's passed away since then, but he, he had to practice in California where he would work with homosexuals, they'd come to him and say, I don't want to have these feelings anymore. Can you help me work through this? And he's quoted as saying, I've worked with thousands of homosexuals. I've never seen a homosexual who had a loving, respectful relationship with his father. Now, that, not every homosexual situation comes from fatherlessness. So there's abuse and there's, you know, they get guided by wrong friendships and relationships, stuff like that. But these are the ones that went to him and said, I don't want to have these feelings anymore. Can you help me work through this? And he said, you know, it has to do with their dad. There's another, another statistic that says, boys who grow up in father-absent homes are more likely than those in father-present homes to have trouble establishing appropriate sex roles and gender identity. Maybe you're thinking, well, I hate homosexuality. I'm against this gender identity issue. Well, mentor a young boy before he even has to make that decision. You know, girls, teen pregnancy, 71% of teen pregnancies come from fatherless homes. Do you hear that number? 71% of teen pregnancies come from fatherless homes. If you hate abortion and you really hate it, and you just go around saying, I hate it, do something about it. Mentor a young girl before she has to make that decision. And if she gets herself in that position, help, work, help her work through it where she doesn't make a decision to have an abortion. Help guide her to maybe to the issue of adoption or something like that. Guide them, put them on a path of success instead of just judging them and saying, hey, I'm against you. Now, some people try to tell me when I first started this ministry, they said, well, you know, this is more of a um, you know, certain type of race or certain economic background. Certain side of the train tracks, okay? Look at this statistic. A white teenage girl from an advantaged background is five times more likely to become a teen mother if she grows up in a single mother household than if she grows up in a household with both biological parents. It doesn't matter how much money they have or what neighborhood they grow up in. So maybe you're thinking, well, this isn't in my neighborhood. It's everywhere. I want to encourage you, reach out to the fatherless around you. These girls, they need to know that somebody cares about them. Dads provide security, Right? And when they don't have that security in their life, they find that boy that says, I'll be your security. And that's not the kind of relationship they need. They need a man and a woman. That's got to be a healthy relationship. You need a man and a woman to come into their life and, and say, I'm going to help you. Or just a lady, a Christian lady that's going to guide her to come into their life and say, I'm going to help you on this. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to be there for you. I, and, and telling these kids, if you tell these kids, I believe in you, I love you, I care about you, and you keep telling them that, that's going to help them. It's going to help put them on a path of success. Don't just look at them like they're some victim or there's some, some kid that's not, never going to succeed. Look at them like, you know what, I believe in you. You can do something great. And keep telling them that. It's going to mess with their head. That's what you want to do. Because they already think of itself, well, I'm different than the rest of the kids. I'm messed up. I'm not going to be, be successful. You keep telling them they're going to be successful. It's going to mess with them. And it's a good thing to do. Keep going with the statistics here. Um, 
education and studies involving over 25,000 children using national representative data sets. Children who lived with only one parent had lower grade point averages, lower college aspirations, poor attendance records, and higher dropout rates than students who lived with both parents. See, this is affecting every single one of us in the United States of America. If they don't get a good job, and they don't, they don't graduate high school, they, they, a lot of times they're going to rely on your tax dollars. Okay? So it's affecting you in one way or another. So I want to encourage you to get involved, okay? Help them. It's affecting your communities with crime, it's affecting with abortion and homosexuality, with your, even your tax dollars. These things are happening. And I'm not saying that, that the fatherless in here and the single moms in here, that you're the ones causing this. I'm saying that just the majority in the United States of America, and I came from the same situation, it's an issue that all of us were involved in. But again, there's hope in Jesus Christ. And if you're trying to be a successful person, if you're trying to be a single mom that's working and doing your job, you're trying to be a fatherless individual that's overcoming it, you're not part of this. Okay, understand that. You're not part of the problem. You're part of the solution. But there's a lot of kids out there that are part of the problem. And they don't even realize it. And they, they need people like us to come alongside them to help them be successful. And you can do that. Suicide. Three out of four teenage suicides occur in a household where a parent has been absent. And the last one was on our video on, on Friday night. Fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse, mental illness, suicide, poor education performance, teen pregnancy, and criminality. Notice it says mental illness in there. You know, a lot of times kids are over-medicated. Sometimes they need some medication. Sometimes they do. Sometimes there's a chemical imbalance and they need that medication. Sometimes they just need a loving mentor to tell them, hey, I love you and I care about you and I believe in you. That, that's, good, that's good enough med- medication for a lot of kids. I'm thankful I didn't have all this medication when I was a kid because I would have been put on it, to be honest with you. I was that kid running around the church causing all kinds of trouble, okay? And I'm thankful they didn't have that because they would have been like, here's some pills, Sean, take them. You know what I mean? I'm thankful they didn't do that to me. But a lot of kids are getting that nowadays, and they have that. Sometimes they do need, do need it, but sometimes they don't. And as Christians, we can help them, put them on a path of success. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, Sean, thanks a lot, okay? We're here this morning, and, and I came here to have hope. It's Missions Conference Week, and now I'm stressed and depressed. Thanks a lot. That's what you're thinking, Sean. Maybe that's what you're thinking. I'm not here to make you stressed and depressed. You know, we see these, these verse 31 and 32. Uh, these guys, they, they are, they're why we should be stressed and depressed. Because verse 31, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. This priest is like most Christianity today, where we kind of see people that are hurting around us, we walk past them. Don't be like that. Okay? Don't be like that. That's how you don't have to be stressed and depressed about these issues. Verse 32, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. They, he should have done something about that. These guys were apathetic. They didn't care. If you do something about the issue, verse 33, be like the Samaritan man. You don't have to be stressed and depressed because you're like, I'm doing something about it. I can do something. I can help with it. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The Samaritan man said, no. He said, I'm not going to be apathetic. I'm going to care. I'm going to do something. The second thing is remit compassion. Remit compassion. Reject apathy, but then let compassion flow through your life out to this lost and dying world. Who's the ultimate picture of compassion? Jesus Christ, right? I love the where the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, right? I love that. You know why? Because Jesus had joy to die on the cross for you and for me. Isn't that amazing? God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. That's exciting. That's compassion. If you're a Christian in here, I want to ask you, if you're not a Christian, I want to ask you, what, you, what are you waiting for? Make the decision this morning to trust in Jesus as your Savior, the most important decision you ever make with your life. But if you are a Christian this morning, I want to ask you, how's it going? Is it, have you become stagnant in your faith? You know, we become stagnant sometimes, don't we? Raise your hand if you've ever become stagnant in your faith. Every hand should be raised because we all become stagnant in our faith. Who in here has ever heard of Spider-Man before? You're like, this guy's talking about Spider-Man? Yes, I am. Who's heard of Spider-Man? Raise your hand. Every hand should be raised. Come on. We've all heard of Spider-Man. He's an American icon. Okay. Spider-Man got bit by what? 
A spider. Okay, Spider-Man got bit by a spider. And I don't need to hear all the different beliefs and stuff like that. Because Spider-Man got bit by a spider. And because he's a spider, he's able to shoot what? Now, sometimes people come to me and they're like, oh, it's a radioactive spider web. I don't even know. I don't know. He's, the things I saw and read as a kid, he's a spider. He can shoot webs. I don't know about all the technical stuff about it. But anyways, picture this. Spider-Man goes home, sits in his living room, and he's like, this is awesome. I'm a spider now. I can shoot webs. He sits back and watches a Batman movie, okay? Just relaxing, hanging out. And he's like, you know what? I'm thirsty. What do you guys call it here? Pop or soda? Mixture. Coke. We got a Coke. Okay. He, okay. So we got a mixture of pop, Coke, soda. Where I grew up, it was called pop. So we're just going to go with pop. Okay. So Spider-Man, he, he got bit by a spider. He's sitting in his living room watching a Batman movie. He's relaxing. He thinks to himself, I don't have to stand up to get a drink. So he shoots a web into the kitchen, opens the refrigerator, shoots another web, pulls out a pop, and he's sitting back, relaxing, drinking a pop, okay? Then he thinks to himself, he's like, man, you know what? He's like, I'm so much better than Batman. That's what he thinks. Don't argue with me about it. It's it's Spider-Man's thoughts. It's not my problem. And so Spider-Man thinks he's better than Batman. And so he gets up, and he's like, you know what? I've never been able to dunk a basketball before. So he goes out to his backyard, and he goes to dunk the ball. And he shoots a web up to the backboard, and he pulls himself up. He dunks the ball. What a horrible Spider-Man movie that would be, right? You with me? Because Spider-Man's supposed to be out doing what? Fighting crime, saving people, helping people. And that's the same thing with us as Christians. A lot of times we'll get saved. We'll be like, oh, good, I'm saved. I have the power of, the, of Jesus Christ in my life, of, of, of God is upon me, of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside me. Good, and then you just go home and put it on a shelf. That's what we do a lot of times, don't we? And we act like we're defeated. We act like we can't do anything about these issues such as fatherlessness. We, we go home, we think, eh, nothing I can do about it. We have the hope of Jesus on us, right? We can share this gospel with this lost and dying world, and a lot of times we just keep it to ourselves. I want to encourage you, don't be like the bad Spider-Man. Go out into this world and help people that are hurting, the ones that God has strategically placed in your circle of influence. They're there for a reason. They're not that neighbor you have down the street that's a grandparent raising their grandkids is not there for no reason at all. That single mom that you work with or that fatherless kid that you're in your, in your family. I, had, I was speaking at a church one time and his pastor got up after I was done. He said, you know what? I have a niece and a nephew that are fatherless and never thought about it till now. Maybe that's you and that's okay. Go and help them. Let compassion flow through your life. You know, we see the Samaritan man, let compassion flow through his life at the end of verse 33. Other parts in the Bible talk about the fatherless and for sake of time, I'm not going to cover all of them. There's Exodus 22, 22 and Job 29, 12. Psalm 68, 5 is a great one. It's a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. That shows us that God is a father to the fatherless in his holy habitation. You think God cares about the fatherless? He does. Psalm 146, 9. I love this verse because it says, The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless. How are they going to have relief if, they don't go, if we don't go as we're supposed to to them and tell them about Jesus? They need relief, as we saw from the statistics. Well, how are they going to know that there is hope and that there is relief if we don't tell them? I want to encourage you to go into their life and, and share some relief with them. James one twenty seven: pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction to keep himself unspotted from the world. It's a pure religious practice for you and for me to visit the fatherless. Will you practice pure religion? To visit there means to look upon in order to help or to benefit. This is not a one-time thing. This is you looking upon and helping the fatherless around you. 
And God tells us it's a pure religious practice. The fodless there can be translated motherless, fodless, or both. It's somebody lacking a guide that they're supposed to have in their life. If you look up widows there, it's talking about a woman who's lost her husband due to death or abandonment. A lot of single moms out there are like that, right? My dad walked away. He left, moved back to Las Vegas from our hometown in Pennsylvania, never came back. She was, my mom was labeled as a kind of a black sheep, divorced single mom in our church. I encourage you, don't treat the single moms like that. Help them. Don't, don't, you know, God doesn't want us to stand around just judging people. He wants us to help people and to share his hope with the hurting world. Now, sometimes we do need to have those hard conversations with people that keep on that, that continual lifestyle of sin, but sometimes we need to just be an encouragement to them and be that hope to them. Will you do that? Will you reject apathy? Will you let compassion flow through you? But I didn't come all the way to Kansas, to Dorothy's house, for you to say, oh, these poor little fatherless kids, right? You with me? Because that'd be pointless. For you to say, oh, poor little fatherless kids, okay, what's for lunch? That's, you know what I mean? That's not why we're here. I'm here to challenge you to do something, to get involved in their life. Who in here has ever seen a movie where it just ends? You ever seen a movie where it just ends? And, and you're like watching this movie, the credits start rolling, and you're like, Nobody won the battle. They didn't fall in love like they were supposed to. Are you serious? Who hates movies like that? Raise your hand. Drives me nuts. You wait two hours of your life, right? And then all of a sudden this movie just ends. Like, are you kidding me right now? You're like, who directed this movie? Complete opposite from every Hallmark movie ever made, right? Are you with me? (laughs) Hallmark movies, they're all the same. A guy or a girl goes to a small town, right? Are you with me? They, They... you know, they, they have, they're dating that big city boyfriend or girlfriend attorney. They come back to the small town. They see that country boy or country girl. And at first they hate them, right? Are you with me? They don't like them. But then they have a job to do. They have to save a cafe or save a factory, don't they? <laughs> By the end of the movie, they dump that big city boyfriend or girlfriend. They fall in love with that country boy or country girl. They're like, hey, right? And they save that cafe or factory. Every Hallmark movie ever made. I'm sorry to ruin it for you, but they're all the same. I hate Hallmark movies. I see your hand. Yes, thank you. Who likes Hallmark movies? Raise your hand. My wife likes them. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. There's a lot of, of, you guys guys need to preach harder here, okay? I'm just kidding. Just joking. (laughs) Hallmark movies. But I'm not talking about them. They're the predictable ones. I'm talking about the unpredictable. They just end. And you're like, man, that's a terrible movie. The ending was horrible. I want to encourage you not to be like one of those movies today. Where you come here and you hear all these statistics, you, the Holy Spirit leads you to somebody that you know you should help, and you're thinking about them. I, don't want you to, I want to encourage you not to just leave today and forget those people, and forget these statistics, and forget the scriptures that were shared about the fatherless. I want to encourage you to leave today and do something. The third thing is react with a plan. React with a plan. And we could go real deep into this, how to have a plan, but it's very simple. It's taking what you have and using it to help someone else. Look what the Samaritan man did here. Verse 34. It says, and he went and went to him. They say if you don't do something within the first 48 hours of caring about an issue, then you probably won't do something. I want to encourage between now and Tuesday morning, do something. Start praying. Make a prayer list of people that you're thinking about. Make a list of things that you can do. Get involved in their life some way. Maybe message them on Facebook, call them, text them, write them a letter. I don't know, but somehow reach out to their life. 
If you can't think of anybody, start praying to God. Say, God, direct me to someone, please. Do something. He says, and he went to him, the Samaritan man. And it says, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He used his own resources to help him heal. And he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn. He gave him transportation. Okay, see what, see this, see what he's doing here. He's using his own resources to help guide him to help take care of him, to help this guy heal, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. He took care of this guy. Well, you take care of the ones that are hurting around you. It says in verse 35, And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. He even took care of him when he was going to be gone. Will you do the same? I would not be standing in front of you this morning if it wasn't for the people that said, I'm going to use my resources to help Sean. It was not some formal program. It was just people in my life, in my local church, most of them. First of all, it was my grandparents and then people in my local church that helped put me on a path of success. I'm not a perfect person by any means. You can ask my wife that. Please don't, but you can ask my wife that. I'm not a perfect person by any means. But because of God, through God, through God using his people and people being willing to be used by God, I'm in front of you this morning and asking you, will you do the same for somebody else? As we close, look at this verse 36 here. It says, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. I want to ask you this morning, who helped you? Who helped you? Who made a plan to help you? Maybe it was your parents. Maybe they were great parents, and that's great. I hope my kids will say the same thing about my wife and I. Maybe it was a, an aunt or an, aunt or an uncle or a coach or a boss or somebody that came into your life and said, hey, I'm, I'm here for you. Or they just started helping you. Whoever it was, I want to ask you, will you pay it forward? Will you go and do that likewise? Will you reach into their life? Now, Satan's going to lie to you right now. He's going to tell you you're not young enough. You're not cool enough. You don't have enough money. You're too old. You, you can't help them. There's no way that you can get involved in this. You shouldn't help. Somebody else will do it. Satan is a liar. Don't expect somebody else to help the people that are hurting in your circle of influence. Do what you can. Use the resources you have and minister to them starting today. Will you make that decision? Will you reach into their life and help them? I want to encourage you to get involved today. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving us the